0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: You cook a good meal and you, you taste it, you like, oh, inspect that. And you just stand there and just, you look and you know that you have nothing to be ashamed of. I mean you are proud of what you have presented. Paul's telling Timothy, study in such a way. Study the Word of God, know God's Word in such a way that when you present yourself unto God, a worker, you don't need to be ashamed. When you're put under the microscope, when your words are being inspected, when people are challenging what you have spoken, what you have said, it stands, because you studied. You took the time, you prepared, you got ready, and so you're approved unto God and you're not ashamed.
0: Are you being watched? Folks know you are a Christian and are watching to see if God is real or fake. What message is your life sending to them? Today, Pastor Bill encourages us to study to be approved by God so that when others inspect us, we are not ashamed. When we inquire of God's Word and submit our lives to Him, we won't be ashamed of our words or our actions. There is no shame when others inspect what has been approved by God. Let's conform our lives to His Word and walk without shame. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy Chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: So I got to kind of catch us up. Uh, we're we're going to we're jumping in at, at verse 14. And he's going to tell them the first thing Paul tells Timothy is remind them of these things. So um, if you remember, Paul is uh, writing this, his last book, he's writing to Timothy. Um, he's kind of handing the baton to this young man, Timothy, and he's raising him up and training him up that he might continue to do the work, continue in the ministry. And that last portion that we read was really uh, powerful. He he told Timothy this, for if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. He says if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And we just get these some of these truths about who God is. If you die with Christ, then you can know for sure you're going to live with him. If you're enduring hardship for Christ, you can be sure you're going to reign with him. If you deny Christ, he will deny you. You have nothing to look forward to. If you're faithless, he's faithful. He can't deny himself. And so off of the on the heels of that, Paul's still speaking. He says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Paul tells Timothy, if you're going to be a good minister, Timothy, remind them of these things. Keep these things before them. Why do we need to be reminded of things as believers? It's because we forget. Um, Everybody here, you can hear a truth that you've known since you were a kid, and you just may need to hear it again at another juncture where I I know that, but when I'm being told what I already know, I needed to hear it right now. I need to be brought into remembrance. I I needed to be reminded that that's what God's word says. I needed to be reminded that that's the standard. That's what God wants. And so Paul says, Timothy, if you're going to be a good minister, good pastor, remind them of these things, keep these things before them. Um, so one of the things with the word of God is it's inexhaustible, right? We, we're never going to be done learning from God's word. So every year we do the Bible reading a year. I dare someone come and say, we're going to read through the Bible again. I did it last year, you know, as though there's nothing else you could get from it. Every, if you do it every year, I promise every year you're going to get more out of it. Every year, it'll just, it'll be like just squeezing, a sponge that just won't stop dripping, it's just gonna keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Every time I do it, I mean, I've done, it for, I've done this for several years and every time I go through the word of God, I just get, there, there's some things I read and I'm like, I, I'm reading this, it feels like I've never read it before. I have, but right now it's just screaming off the pages to me. Um, the word of God is inexhaustible in that way. And so Paul tells Timothy, remind them of these things. Keep reminding them, bring these things before them all the time. Then it says, charging them before God not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. And so he says, don't get caught up, Timothy, in striving with people. Uh, anybody here have people that like to argue with you about spiritual things? Um, like to bring up stuff that, you know, it, it's not going to solve anything. There are things that people have debated for centuries. And sometimes as believers, we got to be careful not to get drawn into endless debate. Um, it's one thing if you got someone that's interested in the truth. And they're trying to understand. And so they have questions and they're saying, "Okay, what about this? I don't quite understand that. Can you explain this? And but they're wanting to know the truth. Then you be patient and you teach them and you take time with them. But there are some people as you get going, you realize this is going nowhere. You don't really want it because as I as I answer this question, you're like, "Okay, but 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 you know, and they just so you weren't really looking for the answer to that question. That didn't satisfy you. You want to you want you want to have an argument. Paul says, Timothy, don't don't waste your time there. I know Christian groups that they'll argue doctrinal things that don't matter while they're non believers over here that we could be going to talk to. Uh, I'd rather be talking to somebody that needs the Lord than to be arguing with you over something that won't change our eternal destination. So Paul tells Timothy, be careful as you're growing, as you're learning, as you're going to be a, a representation of the Lord, be careful not to get caught up in striving about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearer. Verse 14. He says, but um, but you be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Says Timothy, what you do is be diligent, be diligent. Some old King James says study to show yourself approved. Here it says, be diligent to show yourself approved to God. The person you're trying to be approved to is the Lord, not to be approved to man, not that people would see you in a certain way. Jesus, be diligent, Timothy, to, to, be a, to show yourself approved unto God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed. Um, this week, some of you guys know my wife and I are in the middle of, we're in a transition, we're, we're moving. And we're trying to get this house together so we can go ahead and move in. And so I, the stuff that I can do, I've been trying to do. And for you guys that know me, y'all know I'm not very handy. I can tear up, I can lift, I can clean up, but I really can't build very much. I can build up people, but I can't build up houses or structures. So I said, you know what I can do? I can paint. I'm going to paint this house, you know, as one room gets done, I'm going to put the paint up. That's what I could do. So the first room that was ready for paint, I did a whole, you know, I did the primer all over it, you know, and then that didn't look too good, but it's just primer. No big deal. And then I got the color paint and I did it. And now to my, you know, to my, uh, you know, I guess to help me out a little bit, the lights were out. So I did some of the painting as it was getting darker and there was no lights. So when we got up the next day and I looked at what I had done. It was, it was horrific. I had pretty much wasted a gallon of paint. Um, it looked like a kindergarten took a roller and just went like this and like that. And usually it smooths out, you know, but it just looked like it dried, like, in patches. And you could see everything. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why it looked like that. So my wife comes in the morning, and she looks. And my son, BJ, comes, and they're like, Dad, did, did you do that? <laughs> they're just looking at it like like, who did that to the wall, you know? And, um... Uh, one of the guys that was doing work at the house, he came and he looked at it and he said, um, he said, bro, you want me to take over the painting for you, man? <laughs> uh, this is, you did this. You, you, you wasted a whole thing of paint. So I did hand over the painting gig. And uh, he says, be diligent to show yourself approved that you wouldn't be ashamed. The idea is this, that if someone comes behind you to inspect your work, you want to be able to, if you do a good job at something and someone comes behind, you, check it out. I mean, for somebody, if you did a good job and you know it, I, I put my foot in this. I feel some of you ladies can cook, some of you brothers can cook. You cook a good meal and you, you taste it, you like, ooh, inspect that. And you just stand there and just, you look and you know that you have nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you are proud of what you have presented. Paul's telling Timothy, study in such a way. Study the word of God. Know God's word in such a way that when you present yourself unto God, a worker, you don't need to be ashamed. When you're put under the microscope, when your words are being inspected, when people are challenging what you have spoken, what you have said, it stands because you studied. You took the time, you prepared, you got ready. And so you are approved unto God and you're not ashamed of what it is that you presented. Now, a false teacher ought to be ashamed. Um, I watch now, I, you know, that you might. I don't know how you guys are gonna take this, but this is what I do. I do watch Christian TV, but I don't watch Christian TV for the reason that some people watch Christian TV. Um, I'm not a fan of most of what's on Christian television, not all of it. But there's a there's probably from what I can tell, there's more bad than good. Uh, There's more false teachers than accurate teachers on TBN and so forth and so on. And so I watch it at times just kind of comparing what the word does say to what they're saying. And At times, I'm just blown away that there'll be a room full of people. I mean, a room, a big room full of people. And the things that are being said, I mean, if they were just challenged, if they were tested, if they were, if that person is brought into account for what they're saying, it's not true. It's not accurate. You have to be ashamed of what you said. I was watching all the different telecasts. Everybody had a program. And several of these guys had, you know, they were raising money kind of like, you know, and one of the guys in particular, and uh, he's got a Bible college and everything else. Um, he, he took a scripture in Isaiah out of context. And I've never heard, I mean, it was new false doctrine. He said, this year you can, you, you, you're going to sow, it's called, he called it a, a sustainer seed. And it was from Isaiah 55 something, you know, 65 something, something like, or another. So you had to give that amount, 65 point, this much, Dollars and cents. If you really wanted it, if you wanted God to bless you a hundredfold, then you kicked it up a notch. You didn't do 65 something. You did 650 something. You want to go up another notch, you go 6,500. It went just like that. And he was calling it a sustainer seat. And I'm looking, and you're looking at people are calling to give money, to give this sustainer. And then you guys, it's almost at, that's it. Your opportunity, your window to receive this blessing is coming, it's closing, it's closing. And I'm just looking at this on TV saying, I feel terrible for the people that, that are buying into it because they're going to feel like God let them down because they they're not going to receive a reward on this investment that they're giving. Um, but I look at him and I think. When he has to stand before God for that, I wouldn't want to be him. I wouldn't want to be a man that God said, I gave you audience with people that wanted me and you did that. You're going to be ashamed one day. He should be ashamed right now, but he will be ashamed one day that he did that with God's people. So God says, look, Timothy, you. You study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I would just say this for the believer, because when I look at those crowds, part of me feels sorry for them. And another part of me says, if they would just do a little study themselves, they would know better. And so a lot of people that I know that have come out of false doctrine, come out of bad churches, they would admit that they weren't students themselves. Um, They didn't challenge what they were hearing. They didn't go home and check it out for themselves. I invite you that whatever you hear spoken here, if there's, you go home. The Bible says it was an honorable thing for the Bereans. Paul went, Paul the apostle, who we know is legit. He went and taught the, the Christians in Berea. And when he left, they went behind him and they, they received with Paul. Thank you, Paul. Now we're gonna go, when you leave, we're gonna go and make sure what you said was true. And Paul didn't say, how dare you question me? I'm the apostle of God. He didn't say that. Paul said, man, they were more noble. He, he, he actually gave them props for being that diligent with the word. And so um, it shouldn't be a, a negative for you to say, I'm going to go home and check out what he said. He said this meant that I'm going to look that up myself and verify. We should all end up with the same truth because the truth don't change. And so Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, you you're able to rightly divide it. Just just give it out and and it's accurate as you do so. Then he says in verse 16, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Says what you need to stay away from is idle babblings, profane and idle babblings. Just get away from it. And again, I, I would encourage you guys if there are people, and I've been guilty of getting wrapped up at times or getting caught up with people that are just, they're kind of wasting my time. I ended up in discussions about foolishness. God says, shun that. Don't, don't get wrapped up in that. Don't, don't get lured into every debate, every argument over this empty, idle babble. He says, man, shun that. Walk away from it. You're, you, there's no obligation for you to get wrapped up in those things. Shun profane and idle babblings. He says, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And so there's no benefit. When, when I realize that someone is not really in pursuit of the truth, then though I know the truth and I want to share the truth, it's not being received, it's not going anywhere. God says, it's okay, move on. There's someone else that's really looking for the truth. There's someone else that would say, I'm really trying to understand this thing. It'd I, they, be better to spend my time pouring into that person than debating with someone that, though you show them the truth, they won't see it. Uh, anybody, have you guys talk to people like that? They just won't see. I mean, you're showing it to them, they won't see it. Um, I had a great example uh, a couple of weeks last weekend, uh, my friend had a friend out here from Utah, and he has a ministry specifically to the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. So we were at my house Saturday working, and lo and behold, Jehovah's Witnesses came by. And I was like, oh man, they don't even know what they did. This, this brother have studied for 15 plus years. Um, he knows their materials, their books, their authors, their timelines. So we're sitting down, and it was just wonderful to watch. As it was, a, I remember that there was a dad and a son team that came out and my buddy's just sharing with him, talking with him. And he's just real gracious and patient and non-argumentative, non, non, you know, not getting into it with him, but he's just going through walking. He says, okay, well, what about in, in your book, in this chapter, it says that, right? Well, what about this? And he would just, he would just dig, he would just, there's these glaring holes that they were being shown. And the dad would just say, Well, um, he couldn't answer it. So he would just say, Well, I, I'm, I'm not really, I gotta go back and look at that at home. But then he would just, but what about this? And I looked and I said, wow, he doesn't want to know the truth. He's being shown something right here that he can't answer. And it, it, it's saying something different than what he believes. And he's like, no, nah, I got to go back. I'm, I'm not going to accept that what I'm reading here is true. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. But let's get off of that and come back over here. And so there's a point in which you realize, OK, they don't want the truth. Paul says when you get to that point, you, you walk away. You, you don't you don't get wrapped up uh, in, in disputing and debating. Uh, endlessly for nothing. So shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase the more in godliness. And it says, and their message will spread like cancer. One of the things about the false teachers, he's the man, the message they spread. Why do they spread? How come? I wish the gospel spread like cancer. And the word here they use for cancer, it really means gangrene. Um, and it's just something that it, it takes over and it rots everything that it, that, that every, it just starts rotting and rotting and rotting on its way out. He says it, it takes over like a cancer, like a gangrene. Um, why does it do that? How come the false teachings seem to thrive? Um, because there's usually something in a false teaching that appeals to man's um, flesh. Uh, when I look at the prosperity gospel, I'm like, why is that so prevalent? It, it, it's, it's interesting that the prosperity gospel is most prevalent in areas where people are poor, uh, where people don't have. Um, you go to the, your inner city, prosperity gospel, because people that are broke want some money. On third world countries, Africa, in these places where they don't have much, Nigeria, the, the prosperity gospel is on fire because these people that don't have much, the hope and the dream of becoming rich through God is, is appealing to their flesh. And so those ministries seem to be blowing up, but they're not blowing up with people that fall in love with Jesus. These people are being taught to see Jesus as a sort of a genie, that if I love Jesus, if I praise him high enough, if I give to him enough then I'll get for myself. And so. We, we, don't, we don't want to become that, right? We, we want to avoid uh, becoming that kind of a uh, a group or getting wrapped up in those sorts of things. Uh, Paul says, look, the, the message is spread like cancer, spread, spread like gangrene. Why, that's why it's so important for Timothy that he be a man that walk in the truth, that he study the truth, know the truth, and preach the truth, because he's going to be coming against that his whole ministry. Um, same thing, I mean, I look at what I get to do. That's constantly something that I run into people and, and we... In one sense, we believe in Jesus, we love the Lord. But then over here, we have, we have a vast disagreement about why we come to the Lord and what we do for the Lord and what the Lord desires of us. And so Paul's instructing Timothy. He says, Those, you're gonna see it. It's, it's not different then is it, than it is now. Those messages are gonna spread like gangrene. He names two of the guys. He said, um, their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth saying that the resurrection is already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. So their false doctrine here is listed that they were saying that the, the resurrection had already passed. What would that do to believers? They wouldn't be looking for the Lord's return. Um, it would impact their, their, their view on a lot of different things. It was a false doctrine. He names them out. So how do you feel about the fact that Paul names these guys? He calls them by name. Their names are in scripture for all eternity. Hymenius and Philetus. With all the Bible names, I've met Titus, I've met John, I've met James, I've met Peter's, I've not met Hymenaeus, and Philetus. Um, at, I, I haven't met a Jezebel. <laughs> you know, I, there's some Bible names that you just don't see, you know, nobody names, you don't have a little Judas up in children's ministry, you know. Um, these names are here for all eternity. Some people think it's wrong. We shouldn't name names. You shouldn't call that man's name from the pulpit. I wonder, because Paul does it all the time. Paul's like, put them on blast. And I was going over that this week. You know, I've, I've talked to several different pastors, which uh, you know, here hear their different views on it. Um, some guys just say, no, nah, I stay away from that. You know, it's kind of touchy. Um, other people don't have no problem calling names in the pulpit. And I was reading this and I'm saying, okay, God, why did he call the name? Like, is, is this something we should do? Um, should we call these people out? Should we put them on blast? One thing is this, I, I'm, I'm sure Paul, the apostle putting these people out for those that knew Paul was legit, Paul had labeled them. You guys know these guys ain't about nothing. Don't get wrapped up with them. Um, I hope it brought them shame. I hope that I hope when they heard that their names was being written in the, the letters to Timothy and read to the churches that they were ashamed of what they were, were doing. But I, I guess this as a pastor, or a shepherd, Paul was now protecting the flock. He's I've identified these guys as not legit. Don't go there. Don't listen to them. They, their doctrine that the resurrection has already passed is false. And he doesn't have he didn't apologize for naming them. Paul doesn't say, well, I was I he didn't he don't look like he stayed up all night considering whether he should do so. He just named them. So so because of that, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. If I know that there's someone that a lot of people are listening to and they're false, um, I don't believe it would be necessarily wrong to name them, to say, hey, that guy is false. If you're going to identify what the false doctrine is, Paul names him and says, this is what he's teaching, that the resurrection has already passed. That is a critical doctrine, right? We're looking for the resurrection. Uh, we're, we're, we're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for, he's talking about the resurrection where we're going to be caught up. We're going to go to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ will rise first. Um, that hasn't happened yet. If that has happened, then we're no longer waiting on the return of, of Christ. We're no longer waiting on Christ to, to catch us up to be with him. Uh, it changes our end time view, a whole bunch of different things. So Paul says that's false doctrine that these guys are going around. It's spreading like cancer, but it's false. These two guys are two guys that are teaching it. And it says this, um, they have strayed concerning the truth, saying again that the resurrection has already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. The result of their teaching is that some people's faith is being overthrown. Now, just real quick on that. If someone's faith is overthrown, um, were they saved and they lost it or were they not saved? And they were learning, they were believing and they were. If your faith can be overthrown, were you saved in the first place? And so I I don't want to I don't want to make you all say, I think you can. I think you can. But just tell you. Right. If your faith can be overthrown, it was never solid in the first place. Um, I don't believe that a genuine faith in God, a saving faith, can be overthrown. Uh, Jesus says, I, 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 none that are in my hand, I haven't lost any of them. Right? When I belong to him, when I've come to him, he doesn't lose any of those that are, that are his. The verse I always look to in 1 John, uh, 1 John 2, I believe it's 16 or 19, 19, I believe. And he says, they went out from us where well, they were not of us. They went out from us that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. The fact that they left. Was evidence that they were not really of us in the first place, even though they were around for a while. And so maybe you know people that man they were really on fire and they were coming, they were going all the time, and then they just fell away, and they've been gone for ten years. I don't call that person backslidden. That ain't backslidden. You just you you you, you that's too long of a slide. You know, it's like I don't I don't I don't I don't think you backslid for ten years, but you were saved and secure all that time, because then it it wouldn't seem to make sense where the Bible says that no fornicator going to inherit the kingdom. No drunkard is going to inherit. If you're living a consistent lifestyle of sin, the Bible says that you will not inherit the kingdom. So I'd rather tell you that and have you repent and get saved than to have you thinking, well, I'm just backslidden. But if I get, I mean, but when I was 10, I did go down to the altar. So I'm really, I'm saved. Just got eventually going to come back to the Lord. I think that that's one of Satan's tricks for people that didn't really make a commitment to the Lord, haven't really had a true conversion, Um, I think one of Satan's tricks is to keep those that are not converted thinking that they are converted. So you die lost, thinking that because I, I raised my hand one day or I went down the altar one day, I'm saved. We'll see that the evidence of a transformed life is that we walk away from sin. We depart from iniquity. So if I'm continuing iniquity and growing in sin, it's hard to see that pattern and say that I've been converted. I've been transformed, that God's taken up residence in my heart and I'm not the same person anymore. And so uh, let's keep it moving. He says um, in verse 19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so he says, look, nevertheless, even though the faith of some has been overthrown, he says, Nevertheless, the Lord knows those who are his.
0: You've been listening to a transforming word as Pastor Bill Buffington has moved into 2 Timothy. This is a letter written by the apostle Paul to a young preacher that he has trained in the gospel. Paul's life was characterized by suffering as he went through the world preaching the gospel to hostile crowds, and he didn't want Timothy to lose heart because of it. In 2 Timothy 1:13, he reminds a young pastor Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Have you ever seen a believer you respect suffer at the hands of others, maybe unbelievers or even Christian leadership? How did you feel? Were you tempted to lay low or did you guard the good deposit you have been given? We're so glad you're here today on A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community and we love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you this coming Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. or on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find all the information you need at CalvaryEnglewood.org. Once again, That's CalvaryEnglewood.org. While you're there, poke around a bit and discover everything we have for you. Thanks for being here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time, and we hope you'll be too for a transforming word.